Let us turn to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. Let's go ahead and stand. We're going to read one verse, and then you'll be sit, sitting down. We read this. We did a, uh, I did a message on this about three weeks ago, but I want to go in a different direction with it today, and I want you to see something. Maybe you've never noticed before, and maybe you have noticed it. But Luke chapter 10, and in verse number um, 29, verse number 29, he says, But he, willing to justify himself, that he is the, the lawyer, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, and who is my neighbor? I'm going to kind of teach you a little bit about what we think about neighbors. Um, everybody has neighbors, correct? Some of them are closer than others. And um, here, the lawyer looks at Jesus, and Jesus actually asks him, he asks about, asks about eternal life, and we'll look at that in just a second. And he says this, he rattles off this list of four things, and then he says, and Love thy neighbor as thyself. And to justify it, he says this to Jesus. He says, and who is my neighbor? Interesting statement. Who is my neighbor? And I want you to think about this. If I were to ask you your neighbor's names, what would you say? In just a second, we'll do that. But as you, as you look at this verse, you're going to see one word that's in there. And he, now what was he? He was a lawyer. What is a key word in this? And he was willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, and who is my neighbor? The key word on this is justify. He's trying to show who he really is and show that he's a responsible person. But because of the word justify, in and of itself, here's the, de here's the definition of it. It says to declare, pronounce, one to be just, righteous, or such as he ought to be. Now, if he was that and he was justified, why would he ask Jesus how he could get eternal life if he truly was this? Well, let's get right into this, and we're going to do some review in here with this. Review um, Luke chapter 10, verses 30 through 35. Let's look at this and read the story. We all know the story. It's the story of the Good Samaritan, but I want you to see it in just a second. Jesus answering, after he asked that question, verse number 20, 29, he said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that, that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, when he, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. And he went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And said on the morrow when he departed, he took out, of, out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, Take care of him and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Everybody knows the story. In fact, you can talk to people that are not even in church and you say, Do you know the story of the Good Samaritan? I've seen headlines where it says Good Samaritan does such and such. It's a biblical term going back to this story. And so here we have the story on these, but you know what we do in our lives? We put restrictions on what God has for us, don't we? You ever put a restriction on something? Or maybe another word that we might use, limitations. We, we limit who God is and we limit restrictions because of our, our own behavior. And so I want you to see this and I want you to, um, I'm going to ask you this question. When I said this, we are using these when it benefits us. We're using restrictions and limitations. Let me ask you, what, who, is your, who is your neighbor? 
If I were to say, who is your neighbor? How many neighbors do you have? Let's just, let's just, if I, in, in your sense of the word, if someone asks you who your neighbor is, how many neighbors would somebody have? Someone raise their hand and just tell me. How many neighbors do you have? How many? Three. Anybody else have more than three? I consider one, two. I probably have about five because I have some on our backyard that they, they're, they're back there, but I have about five. Anybody have more than five? Anybody only have one? Or some of you not even consider, if you live out in the country, you don't have any. If you can't yell their name, they're not your neighbors. I remember growing up, my mom and dad, I, I, when I went to my dad's house and I was sitting on the porch, I looked up and I saw that bell. Brought a lot of memories back. That bell used to be in another city that we were in, well, I wouldn't say city, little community, Farmersburg. And, and when, when my mom would fix me supper, fix us supper, she had that bell in the back of her out in the backyard, and she knew that we'd be playing somewhere in the neighborhood, and she'd ring that bell. It was one of those big bells where everybody could hear it in the neighborhood. So wherever I was, whichever neighbor's house I was, I was over the Thomas's swimming. If I was over at the Greens playing basketball or the Lears playing basketball or playing football, when I heard that bell, I knew I had to leave. Because I was close to the house. That was our, I was at the neighbor's house and I had to get back. But in all actuality, some of us, we don't even consider the people in our neighborhood our neighbors, right? You have people in your neighborhood that you would not consider your neighbors? Everybody in this room does, doesn't they? Don't they? Don't you have people in your neighborhood that you would not consider your neighbors? Now let's look at it on a different term. See how we change the word? We put a restriction on it. We put a limitation on it. You see that? Because what is a biblical term for the neighbor? Who is your neighbor? How many neighbors do you have in a biblical sense? Anybody know? A neighbor is anybody that you see. Do you think it was just happenstance that the good Samaritan came over and he saw that man that happened to be his neighbor in a ditch? No, that's not what he said. He didn't know this man. But in a biblical sense, our, our neighbors are anybody we see. Watch. I, could, I can't really say that today because all of you are sitting, some of you are sitting on different sides. But don't some of you have neighbors in church? Right? Where's Ray and Priscilla normally sit? They have a neighborhood. Don't mess with their neighborhood. Okay, we got some of you, and it's funny, I can see that some of you are sitting on a different side. The Cowdens are sitting on a different side. They're, they're like, they're in a different time zone right now, different zip code, because they usually sit over there, and you know, you look over there, and doesn't Bobby look very lonely without the Cowdens? Look at him, all the way over there by himself. And then the Larkins are sitting over here, and Mike doesn't even know what to do. He doesn't know how to get out of the building. His wife has to take him out of the building, because he usually comes from over there. We all have different places and different people. We have neighbors in church. Don't you notice when people that are normally sit by you, they're not there? Yeah. Because we get acquainted with where we are. But in biblical sense of the word neighbor, Jesus explains it. It's anybody that you see or anybody that you greet. That's what the biblical term is for that. We went over some things. We went over some aspects of these people. The first one was this. Well, it's not working yet. Well, praise the Lord. Can you go to the next one? Can I wake him up? Hey, Pete, this is not working right now. There it is. Did you do that? 
All right. There's three different aspects of this. The first one is yours is mine. Talking about the what? The thieves. They took what wasn't theirs. The next one is mine is mine. That's the priest and the Levite. They both said, listen, this is mine. I'm not going to lose any of it. And we looked at the third one. The third one is this. What is mine is thine. That's the good Samaritan. The only one that, that we don't really know much about is the guy that got beat up. And he was left dead. He didn't really have something. They just took everything from him. And so when you look at these, you, you see many different aspects. So let's look at some assessments of these different people. The first one, let's look at the, the priest and the Levite. The priest was probably busy. He had a job to do. And then the Levite, he probably looked at it and said, this is too much for me to handle. There's some other things the priest might have done. He's seen that before. You ever, you ever seen somebody and you go to him and you go, oh wow, I know what this is going to cost. Has anybody ever asked you to move? Has anybody ever came up and said, hey, we're moving on Saturday. Do you want to come over and help? You ever done it and go, why did I say I would do this? I love the bumper stickers on the back of trucks. Yes, I have a truck, but I know I'm not going to help you move. You ever been there and you go, I don't think I ever want to do that again. He's probably seen so much of this before as a priest. But then you have the Levite. It was probably beyond his help, but he actually, his assessment was, he went over and looked at the man, and he says, listen, I'm going to go back, and he just leaves the man. You know, in the court of law, correct me if I'm wrong, what he did was illegal. He saw the man, could have helped the man, did not help the man. And it was too much for him to handle. He didn't know what to do with it. He had no idea what to do with it. He put limitations and restrictions on what he could do. But then you have the um, Samaritan comes in, and he has an assessment. Look at what he says, and, and we're going to get... This is a wonderful day. Don't you, don't, this is why I don't like technology. And Daniel, where's Daniel at? He's gone. Okay, here he comes. Daniel's going to save the day. Upcoming events, that mark your calendars for this. Um, I don't know what it is, the next one, but um, let's just go with the, the Samaritan. There's a couple things the Samaritan did. You know what he did? Let, let's go to this verse. Go to verse number um, 33. It says, that, But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. The first thing is, is he noticed the man. Just be very frank with you. There's a lot of people that we see every day and we don't see them. How many of you have been driving down Moreland Drive? You notice the homeless man that's living there? There's a tent. Right beside, right across, right before you get to um, Food City. The other day he must have washed all of his clothes because all of his clothes were hanging on the guardrail. Sometimes we just drive by and just, we don't even see the people. In this, he noticed the man. Not only this, he, he had compassion on the man. Keep reading and it says in that same verse, it says, and he saw him and had compassion on him. The, the next thing is, is he cared for the man. And I know this is all review, but he did all these different things. He had noticed him, he had compassion, he cared for the man. He, understand the, he understood the man's limitations. What were the man's limitations? Very simple to say, there's three things. He needed to ride. He couldn't get where he needed to go by walking. What did the Samaritan do? He put him on his own beast. The limitations were he could not do this. 
And so he put him on that beast and he took him. And then the, the, the second thing is he needed a room. They didn't want to leave him just out, so he got him a room to stay in. And there was another thing that he didn't have either, and he didn't have the resources. So this good Samaritan said, listen, I'll pay for all of this, and if he has any other problems, I'll pay for those as I come back. See, these were the assessments, totally different assessment from the priest and Levite to the good Samaritan. The Samaritan saw a problem and fixed it. The other one just saw the problem. I was thinking about that. I just thought, how many times do we see things that we just don't want to see? But how, how did he get to verse 36 and 37? Look at what verse 36 says. Now Jesus is asking him the question. He says, which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? He's going back to the lawyer that has tried to justify himself. He says, now which one of these three would you think was the neighbor to him? And look what he says. And the lawyer said, he that showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said unto him, Go and do thou likewise. Now I was thinking about this whole story. Because sometimes we read the, the um, good Samaritan and we just put him in that one little story. But there's much more to that story than just the story of him. And, and I will say this. I think, and this is my personal opinion, you can look at it and you can think it otherwise. I don't think this is a parable. I think he is actually, he says a certain man. A certain man. So I really think it was a certain man. I think he was telling the story of what happened. That's my personal belief. So how did he get there? How did the Samaritan get to that spot? I mean, how did he do that? How many people do you know, now just think about this, how many people do you know would do what the Good Samaritan did? Hmm. I mean, I know some people that would help people out. And the sad to say is we live in a different world now. I get leery if someone breaks down. I want to go help them, but I think, oh, it wouldn't take somebody to be in the bush or somebody have a gun and do all this, and do I want to do this, do I want to do that? And I'm sure if I broke down, I'd want somebody to help me, but I would understand if they didn't want to. But how did this guy get to this part? How did the Good Samaritan get to this part? In fact, the Good Samaritan in and of itself is, is a word that they would never put together. And the lawyer knew that. How did he get to that? How did, this, but how did the Samaritan get to this place? Was it his morals? You know people that are, Christ, that are not Christians that have morals? I do. Absolutely. I don't know if you, what kind of um, things you listen to on the radio. I like talk radio. And there are some people that, I, I'm conservative, I, and I listen to some conservative talks. And some of the times I hear them talk and I think, how in the world could they have that belief if they don't have God themselves? They're moral people. Some people are. What about this? They're good men. Hmm. They were taught well. I want to tell you, somebody taught the Good Samaritan how to do this, don't you think? Just like somebody taught the thieves how to do what they did. They had an example. I'm not saying it was their mom and dad, but they had some friends or something that taught them how to, how to beat somebody up and take everything that he had. We learn by our surroundings. But how did the Samaritan get to this place? I want you to see this. Go back to the lawyer's first question. What was the lawyer's first question? It wasn't about the neighbor. 
It was about eternal life. Go to verse number 25. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? You've got to put this in context of the whole story. He asked them that question in this. If anybody knew about eternal life, you know who you would think it would be? The priest and Levite. <laughs> I mean, they were trained of, and they knew what to do. They were taught what is right. But that didn't help the man in the ditch. It only helped the man that were walking down the street that evaded the man in the ditch. You know what's needed in our life? Action is needed in our life. And action is the thing that, that, the, good, that the, the man that was beaten, that's what changed with the Samaritan. Well, how did he get to the place where he would do that? I go back to that question I ask you one more time. Do you know of anybody that would do to the severity what the good Samaritan would do for somebody else? I put myself in that place. Would I help somebody? I would like to think I would. And I probably would help them make sure they got their, their but what I would do is I'd call 911 and I'd have them come and I would have them taken to where they needed to go and then maybe I might do a follow-up visit to make sure they're okay. But you know one thing I probably would not do? I probably would not take my wallet out and say I'll pay for all of his bills. Everybody, believe, everybody agree with me on that? What would send the Samaritan this far off into doing all this? He's a much better man than I am. I'm not going to speak for you, but he's a much better man. I mean, he did more than what I would do. And then he even does that thing where he says, listen, I'll come back and whatever he spent. Do you realize what he's saying with that? I'm going to trust this guy to be honest. I mean, nowadays you do that. You know what you'd get? You'd get a, a bill for all the food that they ordered. You'd get a bill for all the extra tests they ran. Well, I didn't know if there was something wrong with my foot, so I wanted to run an x-ray on it. And you know, I don't like hot dogs, but I sure do love prime rib. And so the next time he came back in, he had to fix it. How did the Good Samaritan get to that? What I think is interesting is when you read the first two verses. Let's go to the first two verses and we're almost done. In Luke chapter 10 and verse number 27. Well, let's go to verse number 25. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit life, eternal life? And then Jesus turns it on him and says, what is, it, what is written in the law? How readest thou? And now he's making sure that the man has read the law. The, the lawyer comes in and he says this, And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And it could have ended there. Now watch what happens. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right, this do, and thou shalt live. You do all these things, and you, sh you should live. And then that one verse is added, and then Jesus has to use the example of the Good Samaritan. The verse is that we read to begin, verse number 29, But he willing to justify himself said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? What's interesting about that? is he's asked him the easiest question out of all the things how he answered. Look at what he says. Go back to this verse, and I want you to see this. I'm trying to get you to see this. In verse number 27, And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. Jesus said, You should do this, and thou shalt live. 
He lists all these things, and the only thing that the lawyer debated over was who's my neighbor? We've already debated who your neighbor is, and he just wanted to know the answer. But he lists four things that are a lot harder than figuring out who your neighbor are, who your neighbor is, right? Amen? Look at the things that he says. I want to go over these. I want you to see these. Because I want to tell you, I think the Good Samaritan had all this already, so that's why he did what he did. Because a normal person would not take someone, put him on their beast, take care of them, put him in a, put him in a room, Make sure they're nurtured and they're taken care of and then pay the bill. It takes some supernatural feeling to do that, supernatural being to do that, and that's, that's Christ changing your life. That's God changing your life. Go to see what it says. Let's look at these four things and we'll be done. He says, and he, and he answered and said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy what? Heart. Everybody there? Your heart is your spiritual life. A good Samaritan could do that if he had a spiritual life. You ever feel like sometimes your life goes like this? How about your spiritual life? Does it ever go like this? The Bible says to love with all your heart. Do you not find this difficult to do? Because I do. Watch. If I told my wife I loved her with 95% of my heart, what would be her next question? I mean, it's a majority. And it's a very high majority. Let's just change it a little bit. Let's say I love my, life, my wife with 98% of my life, my heart. What would she ask me, Daniel? Well, that's between me and, me and God. How do you think that would fly? Loving the, loving the Lord thy God with all your heart, that's hard to do, right? And the lawyer doesn't even debate that. You know what he debates? He only debates the things that he can see and other people can see. See, it's between you and God how much you love Him in your heart. But other people can see how you treat your neighbor. Amen? I lose it. And you hear me say this. I, driving, I have to tell the Lord, please help me drive right. And please let me have a good spirit. Please, Lord, let me have good spirit. Don't let me get mad at people when they don't drive right. Especially when they drive really slow. I mean, if they're driving on the speed limit, I'm okay with it. But if they're driving five miles under speed limit, do they not understand that sign? And then when they drive on the left side, when they're supposed to be driving on the right side, do they not understand the law? Isn't that a law here? Yeah. I feel like Barney Five sometimes. I want to pull people over and make a citizen's arrest. Citizen's arrest, citizen's arrest. Oh, that's not Barney, that's um, Gomer Pyle. Citizen's arrest, pull them over. Say, listen, and, and, I, don't, and I don't know if you've seen the cars now that what they do is there's, a, there's, logo, there's little labels that people put on the back of the car and one says, they put it on the back window. One has an arrow pointing this way. It says passing lane. This one says driving lane. They're trying to tell people which lane to drive in. And I would do that, but my wife won't let me do that in my car. So I want to drive by and just tell people, amen? And sometimes I have to just make sure my horn works, amen? But I have to sit there and tell myself, watch your attitude. We get so rambunctious and we want to give God our whole heart, but we don't give Him our whole heart. 
Look at the next one. The heart means this, the spiritual life. Denotes the center of all physical and spiritual life. The second thing is this, our soul. Listen to this. The seat of the feelings, desires, affections, aversion. The soul of an, as an essence which differs from the body and is not dissolved at death. This is the eternal. The Bible says, listen, that he would love the Lord God with all thy heart, with all thy soul. Now watch this next one. And that's a hard one to do also. We've got to remember the eternal. And the, last one, the next one is the strength. Where do we find our strength at? You know what happens when I'm driving and I do that? My carnal side comes out. My strength in myself is there and I think, man, I can handle this, I can do this. But you know what I need? I need God to direct me. And you know what? I act a lot different when my little granddaughter's in the car. I would act a lot different if somebody else is in the car. My wife would say, I wish she'd act a little bit different when I'm in the car. But you know what? Sometimes physically, we've got to find where our strength is. The, Bible, the word strength is ability, force, and might. And so he's saying, listen, I love the Lord with all my heart, the spiritual life. I love the Lord with all my soul, the eternal. I love the Lord with all my power. Where do you find your power at? You know what made the good Samaritan pick him up, put him on there? Because he had the power of the Lord in his life and would use that for him because most people would have forgot the guy just like the religious people did when they walked down the street. One of the religious men, the priest, he didn't even go over and look at him. He just left him there. And so we have all these. These are the hardest part of what the lawyer said and the last one is this, the mind. Apostle Paul, and you hear me talk about this, Apostle Paul talks about the mind all the time. I think he was one that battled with it. A lot of times, you, you preach your weakness. You know, sometimes, and you'll, t you'll hear me talk about when I drive, I have to just get, and sometimes I get in, the, in there and I just pray, Lord, just let me be the right kind of person when I'm in this car. And it just seems like when I do that, here's the problem. The devil does everything he can to tempt me. And he puts the person that doesn't drive very fast. He puts a person that doesn't use his turn signal. He puts a person that doesn't care about me. He puts a person that's in our church that one time I want to just run off the road. And then I realize, oh, they go to our church. Hello? You ever been there? I'm kidding you. I'm not kidding you. There's somebody in this church that's in this auditorium. I was driving the other day. I thought, what in the world's going on? Oh, I know him. All right, so I got to be good. Sometimes we lose it, don't we? Our mind process. What, what's this mean? The mind as a, a facility of, uh, is a facility of understanding, feeling, desiring either good or bad. Because see, your mind can change different directions. Because see, I told you already in, in the Good Samaritan, you know what I would have done? I'd have picked him up. I'd have called 911, I'd have set him there and made sure he's okay, and I'd have made a follow-up visit to make sure he's okay. But I never would have done what the Good Samaritan would have said, hey, hey listen, here's my visa card, pay whatever needs to be paid. The only way you can do that is if you have all these four in check. Then you'll be the Good Samaritan. You know what the Good Samaritan did? He laid aside what he had that was pertinent to save a life. See what a lot of times we don't think about? Is the man that was beaten? He was somebody's son. 
He might have had a son himself. He might have had a daughter. He might have had a wife. He might have had grandkids. And at that point, when you find out about the Good Samaritan being filled with his whole heart, his whole soul, his whole strength, and his whole mind, and all of it was given to God, and he looks at it and says, oh, I've done all that, but who is the neighbor? Can I tell you this? He had not done all those. Because he went after the one that everybody could see, that he could hide everything else. And my question to you is this. How did the Good Samaritan do what he did? He did it because he's a better man than me. Better man, than, better man or woman than you, probably. But he had this in check. And Jesus uses him as an example because he was above and beyond what we are. If I were to ask this poll and I were to have everybody bow their heads and close their eyes and say, how many of you feel like you'd be the Good Samaritan, you could do everything the Good Samaritan did? I wonder how many people would raise their hand. See, the lawyer was all about himself. And he wanted, he wanted to perceive himself as something that he was not. And he thought the only weakness in his armor was this aspect of what people can see in me. And they'll see who my neighbors are. Let me ask you this simple question. We have some neighbors in here today. If I went over and took a survey of your neighbors, what would they say? Would they say you were a good Samaritan? Would they say that you're mowing part of their yard? Would they say that you have dogs that bark all the time? Would they say you don't rake your yard? Would they say you don't understand what a weed eater is? Would they say that your children, your children are destroying everything? We have a neighbor that lives behind us. My wife was at home and she heard them screaming. And they have a tendency, they're two little kids, they just move in and they have a tendency to throw my dogs, my little puppies, toys. Well, apparently the other day they threw a football, a brand new football over. I'm not going to say it was the two red dogs that are owned by the bishops, but it might have been. They got that football, and within three seconds, they had torn out all the stitching, the white stitching on the football, and they're doing it right in front of the sun on the other side of the fence, and he is just screaming bloody murder. What am I a new football? And I thought, don't throw it to the red dogs. They'll destroy everything. And so the, he, my wife goes back and apologizes and throws it back over to their side. Who wants a football with no strings attached? Later on, they would come and apologize to my wife for them doing that. I have found things in our yard that they, they just throw over to our puppies. I'm not mad at them. We need to be kind to people. You know, the biggest thing that the Good Samaritan did is the first thing he did. He saw the man. So often we don't even see people. We just overlook them. And we'll never get to the point of helping them if we don't go through the first stage. Now what's going to happen this week is you've got a preacher here that's going to pray that you can have it be a good Samaritan to somebody. But the only way you can be a good Samaritan to somebody is if you have all four of those things right. If you have your heart right, you have to have your soul right. You have to find the strength in Him, not in you.
And you have to have your mind going the right, right way. Because God's got something great for you. And he puts it right in front of you sometimes. And we never see it.